I think, uh, I think it's still appropriate to say Happy New Year. So Happy New Year to everybody. What an honor it is uh, to have you with us today at our South Metro Atlanta campus. This is our broadcast campus. And I was praying for our gathering this morning. And I just want to tell you, take, take this for what it's worth. Uh, the greatest honor and highlight is to be your pastor, uh, to be able to speak into your spiritual life, into your faith journey. And I'm just really proud of you as a church. Uh, this, this week has been quite a week in our country and yet when I look across this room and I consider our beautiful Germantown, Maryland campus family that we welcome this morning as well, I think about the diversity of our church and how wonderful that is, how beautiful that is, how we should never take that for granted. Can I get an amen from somebody? And so I just love Go Church. I love you. It's an honor to pastor you, and I'm so honored that you're here today. So again, we welcome everybody at our Germantown, Maryland campus, and then everybody watching online. So if you're in the room today, right here, can you put your hands together, make some noise, welcome Germantown, welcome our online family, come on, love you all. And then of course, we got a weekly tradition, and I hope this never gets old to you. Uh, we just want to pause to give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women, all of the courageous first responders and, and the essential workers. These groups of individuals continue to put their life on the line to serve and protect ours. And so I pray that this morning you would honor those groups of people that, again, are protecting and serving us. So could you put your hands together, honor the military first responders, essential workers. Come on, let this be a loud eruption of applause. Come on. There we go. And I know you just heard this in the video announcements a moment ago, but I do want you to know my heart about Deeper 21. Uh, today we, are, we have turned the page on the, the second week of three weeks or 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this has been a tremendous time together as we've kind of conditioned ourselves to participate in the disciplines of prayer and in fasting. And uh, I am so proud of our church for the way that you all are responding to Deeper 21. At our Germantown campus, you're getting together in the office space every morning at 6 a.m., Monday through Friday here. We're coming together in the morning at 6 a.m. and then again at 6 p.m. and then on Saturdays at 8.30. And we have seen, in my, in my opinion, a tremendous turnout, a consistent turnout of people coming in person. And so I'm really thankful for that. And then, of course, we've provided great resources on the Go Church app for you. So if you're participating at home, uh, we encourage you to download the app, access those resources, and uh, join with us during Deeper 21. Uh, for those of you that have been a part of this in the first nine days, I hope it's been a blessing to you. I know it's been a great sacrifice, but God sees every sacrifice and he hears every prayer. Come on, are you with me? To God be the glory for that. So if you're looking to go deeper in your faith walk in this new year, this is a great way to carve out some time again jump on the app, download those resources, join us in the mornings or here in the evenings in the time of corporate prayer and worship, and let's watch God do something miraculous in our hearts and in our homes, all right? Well, you came for a word today. If you're ready for the word, say, I'm ready. Come on, I'm ready. We are in uh, week number two of a series at Go Church that we're calling Start Here, Go Anywhere. Start Here, Go Anywhere. This is a, an idea based off of a great book that's written by a dear friend of mine, Richie Hughes, and uh, he wrote this book uh, sometime back. And as a matter of fact, we've got some copies of this book available for you at both of our campuses. So on your way out today, this is kind of while supplies last. Um, you can stop by Next Steps, grab you one of these books. Uh, I think the cost of the book is about $13. And uh, truthfully, I mean, I believe this. I'm not just saying that we're not making any money off of this, by the way. But, you know, in order for you to invest $13 to receive the type of teaching and instruction that this book provides, 
could potentially change your life forever. And, and Richie, the author, is going to be with us on the very last Sunday of the month of January. He'll be sharing more about the book. And so I hope that you enjoy the series. Again, to, to put it together, to partner it with the series and the book, I think will be a tremendous blessing to your life. And then, of course, uh, you know, Richie will be here on the last Sunday of the month to conclude the whole series. So the book idea, if there is a big idea or kind of a driving thought, it would be this. And, of course, I've adopted this idea as the theme of this entire sermon series. And it's a pretty simple thought, but it's profound. And it is how, how do we make good choices by a show of hands, anybody in the room, anybody in Germantown, anybody online watching, have a desire to make some good choices. Come on, let me see your hand. All right, that's me too. So how do we make good choices? And then here's a big one. How do we recover from the bad ones? Again, some proud participation here. I anticipate every hand would go up, but how many of you would admit and be transparent and say, I've made some bad choices in my life. Come on now. And so how do we recover from those? How do we make the good choices? How do we condition ourselves to make the good choices? And then how do we recover from the bad choices that we make in life. And I told you last Sunday that researchers at the University of North Carolina estimate that the average adult is going to make about 35,000 conscious decisions every single day. That is a tremendous amount of weight and responsibility and pressure when you consider all of the choices that you make and that I make in a 24-hour period. From the time that you wake up and the, cho the, the choice to get up, you chose to get up, or some of us choose to hit snooze. Come on, where are my snooze button people at, right? Okay, by the time you get up to the time you go to bed at night, you're making decision after decision after decision. And I shared with you last Sunday about the process of making a choice and then also about the power of the consequence. So every choice that you make, there is a process to arrive at that decision, but then there is also a consequence, whether it's positive or negative, based on the decision that you've made. Here's the process again. Uh, I want you to write this down, and if you weren't with us last week, you can go back online or download the podcast, but you don't just make a decision. It doesn't work that way. There is this process, and it works like this. There is a, there is a belief or a thought that initially happens that thought causes a feeling, and then that feeling provokes an action. So the thought you have about the choice at hand might be positive or negative, and that thought then will result in a healthy or unhealthy emotion or feeling, and now you're going to make the action based off of how you think about it and how you feel about it. If that makes sense, say it does. So it's thoughts, feelings, and actions. And this next statement is very, very obvious and somewhat elementary, but it's incredibly true. Our lives are shaped by our choices. So the successes and the failures all have to do because of the choices that you and I make. Our finances, our family, our health, our spiritual life, fill in the blank. Your entire life is shaped by the choices that you and I make. Uh, there's a lady by the name of Jean Nidech, and most of you may not know her by name, but you do know her as the founder of Weight Watchers. Come on, somebody. And Jean says this, and I love her thought on it. She says, it is choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. 
On the count of three, I want everybody to say this after me. It's choice, not chance. You ready? One, two, three. It's choice, not chance. Do it again, and this time say it like you actually mean that. You ready? One, two, three. It's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. Now, some people will believe, you know, that luck has a lot to do with the destiny of your life or you know, a, a good break has a lot to do with the destiny of your life. And I'm not standing up here saying that some people get good breaks and others don't. But I've learned in my lifetime that it is choice more than it is chance that will determine the destiny of your life. God has given us free will and he's given us the ability and the power to make choices. And for those who are in Christ Jesus... We also have the Holy Spirit that can give us wisdom to make good choices and how to recover from the bad ones. And I want you to lean in for a moment, okay? Don't be distracted. Uh, by the way, it's freezing in this room today. Come on, somebody. All right? But it is choice, not chance, that will determine your destiny. And today, in this moment, right now, you got a choice to make. And the choice that you make will shape your life, and it has the potential and the ability to shape the lives of generations after you. So last Sunday I told you this, I said if you, if you wanna start making good choices, you've gotta to learn to take captive your thoughts, to capture your thoughts. And again, I want you to go back and listen to that message if you missed it. I wanna continue on the idea of making good choices by telling you that if you wanna start making good choices, you have to establish core values. Uh, if you give me a moment, I'll, I'll define a little bit about core values and then I'll give you some obviously some scripture and Bible to back up what the Lord has put in my heart, but I wanna talk about the idea of core values. Core values are the very things will, that will allow you to live the life that you desire to live. Does that make sense? So when you have these core values in your life, you are beginning to establish guardrails that will keep you on the path to end up at the destination that you hope is the outcome of your life. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of the Disney family, Walt Disney? Come on, like everybody heard of that. Okay, Roy Disney, the brother of Walt, says this. He says, it's not hard to make good decisions or good choices when you know what your core values are. Now, this isn't a criticism towards the Disney family or Walt himself, but it's interesting that his brother would make a remark like this because Walt had some core values and then he also lacked some core values. Of course, you know Walt Disney, the animator and inventor of Mickey Mouse. Did you know he was the original voice of Mickey Mouse too? So he creates what Disneyland, but before he ever even got to see the full dream come about, before Disney World or what was originally the Magic Kingdom was built, Walt died from lung cancer because he made a decision, and this is fact, this isn't made up, he smoked a pack of cigarettes every single day. So if his core value would have been health, then he probably would have been able to overcome the temptation to allow the nicotine to impact his body. And his brother says that whenever you have core values, whenever you begin to establish these guardrails, it won't be so hard to make good decisions. Maybe you're here today, you're listening online, and you're thinking, man, I always seem to make the wrong choice. I always seem to make the wrong decision. Okay, maybe it's because you haven't established core values, guardrails, that will then enable you to make the right choice. Does that make sense? So core values are this. If you're taking notes, write some thoughts down. I hope that you are. Core values are the fundamental beliefs 
of a person. This is what's deep down within you. And some of these core values you were born into, meaning your family had great, here's a word, conviction. And so these convictions that have been established have been passed down to you. These, these core values, these beliefs, these fundamental beliefs of who you are, these are your guiding principles or your standards. I, I like to call them the, the non-negotiables. This is what I'm going to live my life by. This is what I'm going to direct my family by. This is how I'm going to lead this church are the, the convictions and the guiding principles and the standards and the non-negotiables of my heart. And I even think that goals have a lot to do with core values. Because if you establish some healthy goals in your life, then that will empower you to have the necessary core values to obtain those particular desired goals. Does that make sense? So again, core values are just a thing that's going to help you achieve the type of life that you want to live. Now, whenever I think about core values, I don't know why this image comes into my brain, but I immediately think of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Now, those of you in our Germantown, Maryland campus, you are quite familiar with this particular bridge. Those of you in the South, especially in Georgia, pardon the grammar, but we ain't got bridges like this. Come on now. The Chesapeake Bay Bridge is known as one of the most scariest bridges in America. And I can testify to that. I'm not one of great anxiety. I, I can count on one hand the number of panic attacks I've ever had in my life. But on a family road trip, we had to cross over the Chesapeake Bay and take this bridge. I almost lost my salvation and I almost slapped my whole family. Come on, somebody testify. I was so nervous. The, the, the palms of my hands were sweating so much. I began to lose all peripheral vision, uh, vision. My pulse was beating, and my kids are in the back, like, playing car games. And if I'm not mistaken, I finally said, if y'all don't shut up, I'm going to make you shut up. Come on, somebody just testify that sometimes you just feel that way, all right? Some of you are like, I do not need the Chesapeake Bay Bridge to feel that way about my family. Come on. Man, going over this bridge, uh, on the westbound side of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, it is 379 feet high. The bridge is 4.3 miles long, and it is a very dangerous bridge. And depending on the flow of traffic, they will open up uh, different lanes. And so you can literally be facing oncoming traffic with zero, zero protection between you and the oncoming car. It is intense. Some of you right now have just texted your counselor and asked for a session because you feel the anxiety of what this bridge could bring. Now, the thing about the Maryland Department of Transportation is that one of their values, a part of their vision and their mission, and I Googled this to make sure that I wasn't speaking inaccurately, but it is to provide safety to Maryland transportation. Now, if you get closer to the D.C. area and you start hitting them potholes, come on now, you question the validity of that vision or mission or value, but one of their values is safety, and I appreciate that. Because if they didn't have safety as a value, they would not put guardrails on bridges like this. Now, the guardrails aren't very high. Uh, they're only about four, four and a half feet high, so it's not very high. As a matter of fact, on December the 29th, just a couple of weeks ago, a delivery driver lost control, went off the bridge. 
it's dangerous, but they at least establish some type of guardrail. Why? Because safety is a predetermined value. If they didn't want you to be safe, they would have saved a lot of money and said, hey, good luck. Take care. See you on the other side. As a matter of fact, there is a business, a guy, I watched a quick little video on it, that sits at the, the foot of the bridge, and for $25, he will drive you across the bridge for you. 25 bucks. And the reporter said, it was lunchtime. The reporter said, how many people have you driven across the bridge today? And he said, 21. I started doing the math thinking, man, I'm in the wrong business. Come on now. <laughs> this is intense. It's scary. But because the Maryland Department of Transportation has a value of safety, they established these guardrails. They predetermined before the bridge was ever built that they were going to have a value of safety. Does that make sense? And that's what a core value is. A core value is a pre-decision. It's a pre-decision. Let me say it to you like this. A core value is a decision that you make before you have to make a decision. Come on, somebody say amen. That's good. All right? A core value is a decision that you make. You establish it ahead of time so that when it is time to make a decision, you've already made the decision. Let me give you some real-time examples that hopefully will connect. If you have a core value of integrity, and you say one of the values of my life, one of the desires of my life is to live a life of integrity, and you establish that as a guiding principle, as a conviction of your heart, as a non-negotiable, then when the opportunity comes for you to cheat or steal, and temptation comes in all shapes and sizes, can I get a witness? When that temptation is put in front of you, you have already made a pre-decision that I am going to be a man of integrity, or ladies, you're going to be a woman of integrity, and so you have already made the decision, I am not going to cheat, and I'm not going to steal, because one of my core values is that of integrity. If you say one of my core values is that of purity, purity, I want to be pure in my mind and in my heart, then you have made a pre-decision. You have made a choice before you have to make the choice on what you will do and what you won't do, what you'll participate in and what you won't participate in, on what shows you'll watch and what shows you won't watch. Am I preaching all right today? I don't have to just talk to young people. I think it's all of us in the same boat here, but let me speak directly to young people. If you have a core value of purity, then you understand the consequence of making a decision to go to the party or to get in the back seat of the car. So a core value is a pre-decision. I'm going to live a life of purity, and now you've made a choice. That means that I can do some things and I can't do some things because I want to maintain purity in my mind and purity in my heart. Let me give you one more. So if you have a core value of health in your body, I want to live a healthy life. Now, you've made a predecision on what you can drink, what you can do, what you can eat, etc. And if health is a core value of your life, now you've made a predecision on the things you'll participate in and the things that you won't. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. Write this down. Every choice that you make will reflect your core values or lack thereof. Church, this is how we make good choices. 
And this is how we recover from the bad ones. Thoughts, feelings, actions. And if you start with establishing these core values, now you have put up guardrails to keep you from the danger on the other side. Now let me talk to you for a second because maybe you're sitting here listening to this message thinking, okay, I love this thought, but how do I establish these guardrails? It's a good question. Um, let me give you a little homework assignment, and I hope that some of you will uh, actually take advantage of the homework assignment and do it. Because last week I gave you a homework assignment. I showed you a picture of my senior picture. Come on, and I said, hey, when you get home, post your own high school senior picture. And all of y'all were like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I got like three, okay? So I learned that I pastor a bunch of liars. Come on, somebody. So I'm going to give you a homework assignment today, and I hope that you take advantage of the homework assignment if you want to learn how to establish your core values. Because, again, every choice that you make will reflect those core values or lack thereof. Here's the challenge, all right? And for some of you, this is going to be terrifying. Uh, for some of you, this might be somewhat enjoyable. Uh, for some of you, this might be difficult. But I want you to write your very own eulogy. Write it out. Now, this, this message is not necessarily about the afterlife or when we die, but facts are facts. And unless Jesus Christ himself comes back, which he's going to do soon and very soon. Come on, somebody. Okay, we're... we're just inching closer to the inevitable return of the Lord. But unless Jesus Christ returns himself, there will be a moment where every single one of us, we will perish from this world. We will breathe our last breath, and at some point there will be a funeral service or a memorial service to talk about you. So a eulogy is the thing that people will say about you when you're not here. So let me ask, and this is rhetorical, but this is part of the homework, what do you want them to say? What do you hope that they talk about at your funeral, at your memorial? We just did a beautiful memorial service yesterday from, for one of our staff pastors. His father passed away uh, because of the effects of COVID-19. And his funeral, his memorial service was really easy for me to officiate because he lived a life of making some good choices and recovering from the bad ones. It wasn't complicated to come up with a list of things to talk about the individual. He made it easy for us. And what are the people going to say about you when it's your time to go? Now, I've done this exercise in the past, but I revisited it this week. And I just thought, okay, so I don't know how many years I got. I mean, if, if you want to kind of feel a little creepy, you could Google the death clock and type in a little bit of information. It will calculate all of that information, and it will spit out a date of your death. I don't know why people would want to know when they think they're going to die, and I certainly do not believe that Google knows my date of death. There's only one, okay? God knew the day that I was going to be born. God knows the day that I'm going to die. My responsibility is to live a life of making good choices in between. Come on. I don't want to live a life of regret, and one day I'm going to perish, and if I go before you go, all y'all better come to my funeral, COVID or not. Show up better be here. Come on now. Wear your mask. Show up. Grieve over me. Somebody's going to stand up here. They're going to talk about JC. And so I wrote down some thoughts and I want to share them with you. I just thought, I hope people say that I'm authentic. I hope people say that I'm genuine. I do, man. That's, that's a big desire of my heart. I want to be, I want to be real. I don't want to be one person on this platform and somebody else off this stage. No, I, I want to be fearless. I want to be bold. I want people to say, man, 
that was a, a man that was faith-filled and faithful. Come on, somebody. I want to be honest. I want to be trustworthy. I share a lot about my family, especially on my father's side, but this one is not something that just comes natural to the worldly lineage. Bunch of con artists. Come on, somebody. That's not what I want for my life. I want to be honest. I want to be trustworthy. I, I, want, I want people to say of me that J.C. Worley was dependable and responsible. It's a big deal to me. I want to be joyful. Life's too short not to have fun. I don't know why so many people walk around this life with a look on their face like they were sucking on a lemon. Come on now. I mean, I know that life can be tough, but life is short. I want to savor every moment. I want to enjoy every moment. Why do people wake up angry? Come on now. You got to wake up saying, you know what? This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad in what? Rejoice in it. I want to be full of joy. I want to have fun. I want my kids to grow up in a house where there's laughter and there's flirting. Come on now, Kimberly, flirt with me. Come on. I want to be known as loving and compassionate and caring. And I, I've got to work on this because I've kind of got this, this way about JC that can kind of be hard-hearted. I've been through a lot in my life. And so I feel like when people tell me about their problems, I'm like, all right, here's what you do. Go to Home Depot, grab you a hammer, nails, and some two-by-fours. Build you a bridge and get over it. That's how I feel. But I don't want to be that way. What I want to be is caring and compassionate. Man, it is a desire. I hope that when I pass, people say, that was a generous man. I want to be known as such. And then this last one, this is a big deal for me. I feel emotional. I want to, I want to live a life worthy of imitation. To me, this is Christ-likeness. Does that make sense? I want my son and my daughter and, and the people that I pastor to look at my life and to say, that is a life worthy of imitation. Okay, so core values, and, and some of these are just adjectives, and some of these are goals, but if you really dive into the homework assignment, I think that what will surface are three, four, five, six core values that you will establish, and when you have that list, here's what happens. Core values are declaring, this is the person that I want to be. This is the type of man that I want to become. This is the type of woman that I want to become, and now you get to filter every choice that's in front of you with, is it going to push me towards the goal of becoming that man or woman, or will it set me back and make it a, a lot more harder to establish that? Look, look at this. This is my heart, but watch, that's not who I am yet. I'm working on becoming these things. So now, through the act of accountability, I'm declaring my core values to you, and I'm saying, this is the person that I want to be. I want to be that person on that, that list previously to say, so now the choices that are in front of me, I've got to make with great conviction and those guiding principles so that I can make the right choice. Somebody say amen to that. Come on. So I thought about this. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture of almost 11 years ago. So in, uh, what, what is today? Today is January 10th. So in 12 days, this picture was taken 11 days ago. Woo, come on, time flies. It's the first time I ever held my son Lakeland. The first moment. I feel like I have 
held babies before Lakeland, okay? Not a lot, but some. But when I held him, I was as nervous. Well, I was even more nervous than how I felt going over that Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Come on. Palms were sweating. Lost peripheral visual. Come on, somebody. Felt like blacking out. And in my hands, I held Lakeland James Worley. Now, in that moment, listen to me because I'm going somewhere. I felt such a great conviction of fatherhood immediately. Come on, parents, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Immediately. And I remember, I think I even said, you know, out loud, I was like, I am going to be a great father. I'm going to be a great father. I, I want to move on because I don't want this picture to stay, you know, on the screen the entire time. But I want to say something. I, I know that there are some people that are just evil people. And they wake up in the morning with evil thoughts and they go to bed at night with evil thoughts. But that's not the majority of humanity. Most people, especially the people in this room at our Germantown campus and the people watching online, you're not evil. No, you're, not, you're not evil. You're just at war. Now, when I held Lakeland in, the, in, the, in my arms and I said, I want to be a good father, immediately I made that as a conviction, as a core value. But I learned this, that any boy can make a baby, but it takes a man to be a father. Come on now. And if my heart, if my core value was to be a good father and then five years later to hold London, to be a good father, now I've got to make some decisions in order to bring upon that desired result. Me saying to my kid, I want to be a good dad, does not make me a good dad. You know what makes me a good dad? Not how much money I got, not how many things I buy, Right? Not how, many, not how many things that I even say. You know what makes me a good dad? I'm there. I'm there. I'm always there. Even when he doesn't know I'm there, I'm there. <laughs> Downloaded that Life360 app. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you I am there, son. Because my heart is to be a good father. And every single one of us, we've got great intentions we have great desires to make good choices, but then life comes in, the enemy comes in, the, the flesh comes in, and before you know it, and we visited this verse last week, I want to revisit it, before we know it, we echo the same sentiment that the Apostle Paul said to the church at Rome. I don't understand what it is that I do. He says this, he says, for I don't do what I would like to do, and instead, I choose to do the thing that I hate doing. So we make this list of these core values and we say, these are the things that I want to do and who I want to become, right? But yet I find myself doing the, the, the things that are opposite. I find myself choosing to do the things that I hate. Now, the core values are the, are the guardrails, but every day you've got... You've got choices, and here's what I want you to write down. I'm going to show you why. Because every day that you wake up, you are in a war between your values and your vices. Every day. Values versus vices. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is good versus evil. This is right versus wrong. This is your faith versus your flesh. Does that make sense? I, I've not, I, I'm telling you, I've not met one person in my lifetime, 40 years, 
that is just evil. I know they're out there. I know, I know they're here, but every person I ever meet, they are good people with a good heart. They want to make the right choice, but they have allowed their vice to override their value. And we all, listen to me, and we all got vices. Don't walk into church, this church or any church, pretending that you ain't got something. We've all got something or some things that we wrestle with and we combat with. And I'm telling you, it is your faith versus your flesh. And one thing that I do, and I do this so often, as soon as the temptation comes, and what is the temptation? The temptation is to pull me off guard or pull me off track, rather, from the desire of my heart, which is to be a man of dependability and responsibility and honesty and integrity and trustworthiness and Christ-likeness and all of those things on my list. Now the enemy says, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to try to get your attention distracted so that you make wrong choices. And one day you wake up and you thought, how in the heck did I end up here? That's the primary objective of the enemy. But I'm telling you something, and James write this in James chapter 1, is the half-brother of Jesus, and he shows us that it is not only the temptation that comes from the enemy that is a vice, but we also wrestle with our own evil desires. Watch what he says. Each person is tempted. That's all of us, every single one of us. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their what? Let's say these three words on the count of three. One, two, three. Own evil desire and they are enticed so it's not just the enemy who's after you but it's your sin nature and every day you wake up and you got a choice to make am I going to choose my value or am I going to choose my vice and if you make the decision to choose the value the core value you will be a better person and your family will be a better person but if you choose your own evil desire the desire of the flesh sin then what happens is we move a little bit backwards and backwards and backwards. And this is what happens to so many people. They're not evil people, but they take one step forward and two steps back. And there's an old country song that says, nobody gets too far like that. One step forward, two steps back. Watch what he says. He goes on in verse number 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it's all grown up, gives birth to death. Thoughts, feelings, actions. Y'all don't go help me preach today. Come on now. Thoughts, feelings, actions. A couple more thoughts. Write this down. So either your values will keep you from your vices or your vices will keep you from your values. But only you get to decide. You're here today, either campus, you're watching online because you want to make good choices and by coming to church and by joining into the gathering online you made a really good choice you're not an evil person the enemy wants you to make you think that you're evil and that there is no hope and there is no future jeremiah 29 11 denounces the foolishness of the thoughts that come from the enemy the lord says about you for i know the plans i have towards you says the lord plans to prosper you not to harm you but to give you hope and to give you future. God's got your best interest in mind, but he gives you free will and you got some choices to make. And for many of us, we've been choosing the vice over the value. And it has moved the needle for generations and the outcome of our family or the pain of our life or the difficulty of this moment 
is not because God hates you and God wants to punish you and God's out to get you and because life's not fair. Sometimes life doesn't feel fair, but it has more to do with the choices that we make. And every day you wake up and in front of you is the value or the vice. The value or the vice. And if you have the core values, you at least now have the path that you can walk on to make the decisions to become the person that your heart desires for you to become. Now the power lies within your ability to decide. The value or the vice. James goes on. We read verses 14 and 15. Go on a few more verses. Watch what he says in verse 22. I didn't want to omit this, by the way. He says this. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Come on now. Don't listen to me. Don't just come in on a Sunday and listen to the word of God or listen to the preacher. Don't just open up your Bible and listen and read it. But now faith without works is dead. Now you have to do what it says. There is a responsibility. There's a responsibility that lies within you to do what you know is right to do. And you got to make that choice. And I just want to encourage you. We're almost done, okay? But I want to encourage you that you don't have to make those choices. Oh, we got a great church family here. we got a great church family that offers different opportunities for you to have interaction and community and life with others and accountability and small groups and move track, which is a huge next step for you. If you don't know, uh, you know what your personal gifts are, your spiritual gifts, move track, all of those things help you so that you can do what the Word says for you to do, for you to make the right choice. So many people, they try to make these choices on their own. And life is hard anyway, but life almost is impossible when you try to do it by yourself. Come on. Let me give you three thoughts here, and then we'll close. I'll ask you a question, and we'll be done. Three thoughts. Consider these three thoughts when you're determining uh, your values versus your vices. Does that make sense? Number one, be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with yourself. This is where it starts. I'm not, I'm not going to preach all three of these, but let me give you one thought here. Let's go back to fatherhood. Every man that has held their child for the very first time, because you're not evil. Your thought is, I'm going to be a good dad. That's the value. The vice is, listen to me, guys, lean in. But I also want to make a lot of money. Now, we're afraid to admit that out loud. But what happens, and I see it all day, every day, the value is, I want to be a really good dad. The vice is, I want to make a lot of money. So now, we start to choose the vice because we feel like, well, I got to make the money to provide for the family. And now, we pursue career, goals, job business investment, trips outside, and before you know it, listen to me, and I'm not trying to preach condemnation, just a little conviction. Now, before you know it, 11 years passes, and you weren't there for the birthday, for the, the baby dedication, for the ball game, for the home run, for the touchdown scored, for the basket made, for the dance recital, for the ballet performance. Now, I'm not against you having nice things and all of that, but you have to be honest with yourself. I think, I think that you just feel like, well, if I, if I pretend it's not a vice, then it won't be there. That's not true. Be honest and say, you know what, God? So here's what I'm wrestling with. I want to be a really good mom or I want to be a really good dad, but I also have my own goals and my own dreams that have nothing to do with them kids. 
And the moment that you are honest with yourself, then you become honest with God. God already knows, but now you become honest with God. Confession is a major spiritual discipline. And then I would encourage you to be honest with others. That's accountability. And say, listen, my core values, my core values in my personal life, man, we will spend days and weeks and months as businessmen and women, as leaders of organization, working on the core values and the mission and the vision of said company. And yet we spend zero time working on the values of our heart and home. But if you got together with your family, you wrote your own eulogy and you said, this is what I want my life to be, my family to be, okay? And you shared that with others, you were honest with others, now you're gonna be held accountable so that the moment you wanna do something that's dumb, the moment you want to give in to the desire of the flesh, your own desire to choose the vice, people that will love you will say, hey, if you make that choice, that's up to you. But that's not the person you told me you wanted to be. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I desire to be this, but I always do what's wrong. Maybe it's because you're not honest with yourself, you haven't been honest with God, and you refuse to be honest with others. You do this, you start here, church, you can go anywhere. Come on, let me give you this closing question and we'll be done. I'll pray for you. It's a choice. You got 35,000 choices to make. Here's one of them. This is the most important one probably all day though. Are you going to choose your values or are you going to choose your vices? Will you choose your values or will you choose your vices? Most of you can easily identify the vices of your life, but can you identify the values? And then once you have those established now, every day, as this war is just going on, good versus evil, right versus wrong, flesh versus faith, what will you choose, values or vices? If you start here with the core values of your life, you can go anywhere, every head bowed, every eye closed. Online as well, just for a moment, and reflection and self assessment. I'd love to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Germantown family, do the same. Nobody in this room should be looking but me because I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed, okay? So this is just an honest moment. Let me give you 20 seconds here to consider this question and then I'll give a closing prayer. Will you choose your values or are you going to choose your vices? Okay, Lord, so in this moment of reflection, we're desiring to make good choices and recover from the bad ones. I pray that this teaching today is impactful. I know it's been for mine in preparation. God, I need to get back to reevaluating some of the values of my heart and the values of my life so that the pre-decision, the pre-choice that I make is so that when it comes time to make the choice, I know the answer. I know what to do. And I pray, God, for your people in this room that, that they would start with establishing the core values. Now, the world offers all kinds of values, but I would pray that they would start with a relationship with you to have Christian values. 
Christian morals and ethics that would shape them personally and shape their family for generations to come. And then as I begin to establish those values, God, they have the guiding principles needed so that when the vices show up, and they will, the enemy is seeking whom he may devour, and we were born into sin. We have this tendency to be drawn to doing the wrong thing. So when the vices rear their ugly head and the temptation of lust or addiction or greed or lacking integrity or whatever it might be shows up, when the temptation of sin walks in, we've got the values that you've established in our heart, the desire of the type of man of God or woman of God that we want to be so that we can make the right choice. So if you're here today, nobody looking, you would say, okay, Pastor JC, before I start with values and all that, I just got to get my heart right with God. I've been running from God. I've been hiding from God. I feel far away from God, but I want to come back to God so he can help me to establish these values. I'm going to count to three, and I'd love for you in Germantown online in this room. If that's you, you need to ask Christ into your heart for the very first time or return to him because you've kind of drifted away. I want you to lift up your hands. You ready? One, two, three hands. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My right, your left. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, so Lord... You saw the hands that were lifted in this room. I trust people online and in Germantown as well are making that decision to make you Lord of their life. So for them and for all of us that have asked you into our heart, now help us to establish establish the values that matter so that we can walk the straight and narrow. We can fight the good fight. We can keep the faith and we can finish the race and we can look back on our life and realize that we lived a life of no regret because we made the right choice and we overcame the bad ones through our relationship with you and the values that you've put in our heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And together, everyone said amen and amen. Would you do Jesus the honor by giving him the highest praise? Come on, to God be the glory. Come on, church. Thank you, Jesus.